Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Pony Stampede Podcast. I'm Billy Embody. Hope everyone had a great Christmas and time spent with the family and all of that. We've got a lot to get to as we continue to kind of wrap up SMU's 2019 football season. Got a lot of questions from our Pony Stampede subscribers that I'm going to kind of talk about. More so, looking ahead to 2020, what will SMU look like? Who are some of the new faces that might emerge for the Mustangs? As well as kind of looking to the future. How might SMU add to this roster? Looking at the 2021 class, looking at how SMU will continue to kind of build off of the momentum it had as Dallas's team this fall and kind of branding themselves that way. And we'll also kind of look ahead at the 2020 season across the conference, who I think could be some of the top 2020, the top 25 teams from the AAC. And we're going to jump into all that right now. But first, I want to look at the roster and just go down the list and kind of answer some of these quick questions about who could emerge really for SMU, who needs to step up, who might be on the hot seat as far as a position battle goes. And and I want to start with the guys I think I that I think will break out next year. And I want to start with Elijah Chapman. And you can really see how much the staff enjoys having this guy out of Evangel Christian in the Shreveport area on this roster. They used him as the really that big bulldozing fullback in the heavy package with Xavier Jones or Cayman Freeman at the goal line, and he, and he performed really well. Whenever he was in there, it seemed like SMU got the push they needed to, to get into the end zone. On the flip side of things, he played a little bit as a defensive tackle this season. He's really, really strong. That's the one thing that stands out. Uh, to me, about him is just how strong he is. He set multiple records at Evangel from a weightlifting perspective. He's just kind of more of a sawed-off defensive tackle, and I think with his strength, he'll be able to to make an impact. I think he's similar to Terrence Newman that a lot of guys are going to sleep on him from a size perspective, from a height perspective, but he's really, really strong. I think he's got a chance to push for a starting job, potentially, as, as SMU lost a ton of senior defensive tackles in that room. And then flipping over to the offensive side of the ball, another breakout candidate for me, it's no question here that it's that it's Ulysses Bentley. He's somebody that the staff has just kind of raved about, and he did end up redshirting this year. He just needed to to take that time and, and develop. But if you're ever out at an SMU practice, anytime he touches the ball, it's pretty electric. And so I'm really excited to see Ulysses Bentley get some time. TJ McDaniel, we saw a little bit of him this year. He had that breakout game against Texas State, and he did not redshirt. And I think he's going to do some really good things. But Bentley is the breakout guy for me that people are saying going to be saying a, a year from now, wow, uh, SMU is, has another uh, productive running back on its hands. Kind of going off of this breakout candidate question, a lot of people have asked, or well, one of our questions on the board was, was who do I think could be maybe – uh, somebody with upside that could see uh, a, a bigger role and and have more impact next year. And for me, I, I think one, 
you look at Calvin Wiggins at wide receiver with his speed, his size, and and I, I think he's somebody that as he continues to kind of put it all together, he, he's somebody that I could see him, especially from an upside perspective, being a, a go-to type guy, maybe giving Reggie Robertson a little bit more of a break at times and letting him step in there and, and, and go deep and, and, and take the top off the defense. I could see that happening. On the defensive side of the ball, I look to all three of the, the true freshman safeties from this year. I look at Chase Cromartie to have a bigger role with Rodney Clemens graduating and maybe Trevor Denbo moving or, or doing something else because I, I just don't think safety worked for him this year. And then Donald Clay, uh, who, who was kind of nicked up uh, at times throughout the year. He's somebody that has a lot of upside and, and seems to be uh, buying in and all those things. And then Roderick Roberson uh, is somebody that, that the staff is really high on as well. And I saw him and he's really packed on a lot of weight over the course of his freshman year. So I look at all those safeties as upside guys. They all do a little bit. Uh, they all, they all kind of have a little bit different skill set. And so I'm interested to see how those guys come along and, and, and figure things out. Um, and, and I guess the question also included transfers in it. And I would think Chevin Calloway, I think is somebody that I can include in there as, as an upside guy. He made a couple plays in the FAU game. Um, and, and that kind of is something he can build off of going into his offseason. As far as starters that have to watch their back the most, I would say Armani Johnson. And here's why. Armani just wasn't healthy this year. Uh, I, I forget which game he got hurt in, but about for about half the year he wasn't hurt. Or he was hurt. And so I think when you have something like that happen, and, and now Robert Hayes is gone, he's graduated, whoever they bring in in that transfer portal to add depth to the corner room, I think Armani's probably the one that has to has to watch it the most, just because he he wasn't healthy this year, and and you never know, kind of if that becomes a thing. So as great as he was at times this year, on a defense that has really a bunch of, I think opportunities for new starters to come in. So this is about a current starter having to watch his back. I think Armani's kind of the one that makes the most sense outside of Trevor Denbo. And the question was uh, also to pick somebody outside of Trevor Denbo. So um, I picked Armani. I just think it kind of makes sense. On the offensive side of the ball, for me, outside of Jalen Thomas, I think the offensive line is certainly going to be one where there's going to be a ton of competition. And, and SMU's not really afraid to play true freshmen. So I think anyone on the offensive line has to, has to kind of battle every day, day in, day out, uh, to keep their spot. And then Kylan Granson, you know, the, the staff is very high on Kedrick James, and if he can put it all together, it's going to be a scary duo at tight end. And so while he won't supplant him maybe as like a, a true starter, it's going to be a, a situation where they're both going to push each other day in, day out to, to get that type of, to get those starters reps. Two guys that could step up as well is Shabazz Dotson and Travion Johnson. And Shabazz has been hurt most of the year. And he just hasn't really recovered, and 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 now maybe a whole off season of that that he's healthy. He couldn't do anything last year. He had a slip disc uh, in his back, so he couldn't have anything you know going in the off season. If he can figure things out, maybe he'll he'll uh, he'll step up in the spring. Travion Johnson, I still think he's you know one of the better looking just prospects overall on this team. You can tell he's got the size, the athleticism to make things work, and if he can put it all together this off season after he was suspended last off season. You know, 
I think that's where he needs to start is just doing the little things right that they want as a staff. So um, finally, another kind of look ahead question is the newcomer of the year. It's going to be Danny Gray. I don't think there's any question about that. What he's going to bring to this offense is huge. And, and as long as he can stay healthy, along with Reg, Reggie Robertson, they're going to be two terrific wide receivers, along with Rasheed Rice, Calvin Wiggins, and all those guys. It's, it's going to be pretty special. So I, I don't think without a question, for me, it's going to be Danny Gray as the newcomer of the year for this football team. On the overall depth of this team, I was asked, is this the, is this the type of depth that SMU will be able to sustain the whole season, or, or, or is the staff still addressing major holes? I think offensive line-wise, yes, this is now the depth they need. Um, this, this class of seven and eight, and really nine, if you want to count, uh, if you want to count Thomas Schellmeyer and then gray shirt, uh, Henry Mossberg coming in, it's a class of nine offensive linemen all on scholarship that are coming into the program. So that's, that's an influx of talent. I think depth wise, I think they worry a little bit about running back, but I, I do feel like they'll get a, the, a grad transfer. And then I think it's safety. You do kind of worry. They've done a good job addressing that position. Um, linebacker is something to kind of be concerned about. You don't have Patrick Nelson anymore. You've got some depth. You've got some players, but nobody's emerged. So somebody has to be this year's like Armani Johnson or Brandon Stevens at the at the linebacker position where they emerge and they push others and they and they figure out a way to try to plug that hole that uh, Patrick Nelson uh, certainly left uh, with his graduation now. So I I think it's got enough depth right now to to sustain and. And, and be a good football team and, and, and get back to 10 wins. But, you know, they're, they're, I, I think we'll, that's a work in progress. We'll have to kind of revisit that a little bit as the transfer portal kind of shakes itself out for SMU. I was asked if anybody on the staff is kind of on the hot seat. I don't really think so. I think this is still a, a staff that maybe you see some shuffling, maybe. But overall, I, I just feel like they all work together really well. They, they like each other. Um, and I just, just like, I don't think that's any coach speak coming from anybody, but everybody's just really happy to work within this program. And I think you could see some things shake up on the, on the player personnel side. I mean, that, that just kind of always happens. It seems like around college football, but overall, I do think this staff is probably going to stay intact. I, I think if anybody's on the hot seat, I mean, I think you want to see the defense take a next step forward. So I, I, yeah, I, I think that's it. They've got to figure out a way how to s sustain what they had going going into the the Houston game. They've got to figure out a way to to sustain that first half of the year into the second half. And I thought they played, you know, well against Tulane. And otherwise, that was about it. And and I I think in this conference, and people always think you know the yards are what matters. I mean, as as dumb as this is going to be, guys, it's points that matters. Getting off getting off the field on fourth down getting stops in the red zone, holding the field goals. And that's something that SMU really did well, especially in the front half of the year is getting stops. And and one thing that really dropped off was SMU's turnover production. They, they just didn't, they were not forcing turnovers like they had been. And, um, you know, it, it was just kind of, wasn't, wasn't great. Wasn't a great end to the season as far as turnovers go. And so they've got to get back to doing that, but they were disruptive, disruptive in the backfield. They, they uh, certainly got after the quarterback, good bit that it that even kind of faded a little bit late in the year but still overall i don't think anybody's really on the hot hot seat um but you want to see i think next year the the 
the defense take a step forward. For Rashad Samples, his role is just going to kind of be more involved in game planning. He, people forget he got here in July and, and just was thrust right in. And so they just said, you know what, be around the players, coach them up. You know, we'll handle recruiting and then um, we'll, we'll let you learn the offense as the year kind of goes along. So next year it'll be much more of a, you know, part of game planning, part of you know, being a part of this offensive staff. Not that he wasn't, but when you come into a program in late July with with your training camp right around the corner, you're just kind of you're just kind of working from behind. So, um, yeah, Rashad Samples, uh, he's just going to have a bigger overall role. I think that's it right now for the Pony Stampede podcast. We're going to take a quick break and then come back. We'll talk a little bit about Shane Bouchel, Dallas, portal targets, um, and 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 more on, on uh, recruiting as well. So stick with us. We'll be right back after this quick break from the Pony Stampede podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Pony Stampede podcast. Thanks for listening. Quick reminder, guys, subscribe to Pony Stampede. Get CBS All Access included in your subscription. It's $100 value, over 10,000 shows and live television. You can all have that included in your 24-7 Sports VIP subscription. So I was asked on the board if I thought Shane Bouchelle was hurt late in the year and and if if he was hurt just overall. And I asked Shane after the game, I said, hey, now that the season's over, are you okay? Like, were you hurt down the stretch? And he said, no, I mean, I feel fine. And I I, I believe him. I do. I mean, I, I, I talked to a couple sources before I even asked, and look, all of them kind of said – you know, all of them said no and, and that he wasn't hurt. And, and so I don't think I saw any change in his mechanics. I think I saw more of a change in, in maybe, maybe pressing just a little bit. I, I feel like a lot of his balls that were dropped in pretty impressively over the course of maybe the, the first 75% of the season. And I know people look, the thing about this is Shane really had, Two games, I think that uh, yeah, I would say about two games late in the season where he was kind of off. And guys, it was it was uh, Tulane to an extent. He missed a couple open throws, and it was um, it was Navy, and then the FAU game. Everybody was off. But as far as his deep ball goes, I, I did kind of notice some some misses. He had opportunities, and he and he didn't drop them in like he normally did. And so I think he was pressing, kind of throwing more fastballs. He's got to get back to. And dropping those in because he's got a great deep ball and, and that's kind of where it starts for him. So, no, I don't think he was banged up. I mean, I don't think he was injured. I think everybody's banged up late in the year. Um, but I, I just 
I just think he was pressing. I think they missed Reggie. I, I think there's no doubt. Rasheed Rice stepped up very well, I thought. But Reggie's a world-class you know, athlete and receiver, and you're going to miss that anytime uh, you lose that in your offense. So I think it'll be even better next year. And, and I've said that transfer quarterbacks in their second year always get better. I mean, I haven't seen anybody regress. So um, just be excited. He's going to be he's going to be great. He's probably going to win the you know AAC Player of the Year. I'd bet next year. So he's going to be a fun one to watch in his final season. And and he's got a whole off season to work with Kaz and and be ready to go for for a whole season. So um, speaking of Bouchelle, he was he was a product of the uh, push into the NCAA transfer portal. And for SMU, I think they're going to tap right back into it. And we dropped notes on transfer targets on the board uh, last week and. I don't think really anything's changed too much as of now. So if you didn't check that out, check it out on the Pony Stampede board. There's a few targets out there that they feel pretty good about. And um, we'll kind of see. I think one thing I'd say is that um, with the four spots left, there are four initial counters in this class. And so they've got to be kind of careful of how they do this. But there are four initial counters left. And I don't think you're going to see an offensive lineman added at this point. I think the only initial counter in the high school class would be Savion Williams. Um, he's one to watch. Junior Ajo, who's a who's a uh, junior college defensive defensive lineman, uh, defensive end would would be an initial counter. So keep that in mind as you kind of go through it. There are four spots left in the class, but they're kind of used differently. So like Shane Bouchelle actually counted in the 2020 class. They counted him forward the way they were able to do it. So it um. It's kind of a weird, just the roster management by SMU is really impressive, but it's just kind of weird how it, how it can all come together. But yeah, if you're looking for transfer portal information, we've got it on Pony Stampede on the board. And with that, SMU was able to take advantage of the transfer portal and get a lot of kids back into the Dallas area who were from Dallas and, and were able to you know, come home and play, play college football. And, and I think as far as SMU, kind of how, how does SMU continue to further the brand of SMU as Dallas's team? One, I think it starts with winning. Two, it just continues to, you know, continue to bring high quality transfers back to the program. I think that's more of a splash as it stands right now. Danny Gray, for example, is a splash, but you see it as Blinn Junior College rather than uh, Dallas Madison, James Madison High School, where he's from. But, um, you know, anytime you bring in high-profile Dallas players, that that helps develop the brand. But they've got to win as well. They do a really good job reaching out in the community. I don't know if they can do so much more than what they're doing right now. But I'm sure they'll be creative and find a way to do it because uh, that's what the staff has really done. As far as uh, what SMU is allowed to do between now and summer to further recruit top area players such as Savion Bird and Preston Stone. So right now, there's a dead period until... I think it's a couple days after the national championship game. So right now they can't really do much. But once that's over, they can just have them on campus, swing by, you know, come watch a workout. Then when spring ball gets going, come come see them. As they hit the road in the in the January portion of, of the recruiting period, they'll go out to their schools and they'll they can't talk to them because they're 2021s, but checking in on them, their coach telling them, hey, you know, SMU stopped by for you today. Things like that. So um, that is kind of the plan. And then depending on when they want to take official visits, that's kind of how it'll go. It, they can take them in the spring now. They can take them in the summer. They can take them in the fall. I think you'll see Preston Stone take official visits in the spring. 
Savion Bird will kind of, I, I would have a feeling he'll bounce around with his, maybe take him in the fall, maybe take one in the summer, kind of do things like that. But, I mean, they, they can just continue to have them over to campus whenever they want when it's not a dead period. So that's that's just kind of what they've been doing. So I, I think just trying to capitalize on the momentum they have on the field and, and making a push to try and get those guys committed would be really, really huge for the program, and especially in the 2021 recruiting class. So it's just all about having, just doing what they've been doing. They've done a great job being in a decent position for both of those guys, and and now it's time to, to really capitalize and, and, and make it happen. Kind of wrapping up the podcast, a look around the AAC. My top 25 teams for next year, I think there's a chance SMU slips in there. I think having Shane Bouchelle is a big deal, and, and that'll that'll play a lot more than people think. So having Shane Bouchelle would be good uh, for their chances to be a top 25 team. But I think you're going to see Memphis and probably Cincinnati in that top 25. I think Navy will is a team that will probably stay outside of the top 25 to start. And, yeah, I think Memphis and Cincinnati will be the ones to start. I don't think UCF starts in the top 25, not after the season they had. And I've said it before, I don't think UCF's going to end up being the program uh, that they were in the past. I think you'll start to see kind of the Josh Heupel era really kind of take over. So with that, guys, hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. We'll, it's kind of a weird time of year where, you know, the New Year's coming. We had Christmas, and now it's New Year and everything like that. So we'll kind of get back into a little bit more of regular, uh, a regular off-season podcast schedule and then also more of just regular content in general, uh, but the holidays are always weird, and, and SME basketball is, is off, I think, until the new year as well, so um, won't really have too much for you guys over the next couple of days, so just kind of enjoy your time with the family. Uh, I'm excited to be going to uh, the Winter Classic uh, on, on New Year's Day with the fam. We're going to come up to Dallas for that and, um, and, and enjoy that. SME basketball will be back in action on New Year's Day, so won't be able to enjoy that, but hope everyone enjoy this podcast and has a great weekend. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll catch up again soon. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+.